All right, this is Kevin Evans. I am um, with the chapter by chapter life class at Crossroads Assembly of God in Greenville. And we are finally getting back to Matthew. We've had, I think, two weeks off for various reasons. And um, we're jumping back in at chapter 11. So, uh, just as a review, because I need to remember what we were doing as much as anybody else, we uh, looked at chapter 10 last time, and in chapter 10, there's a big shift in the story that Matthew is telling about Christ. Up until this time, he has uh, related specific instances that Christ used to teach uh, the disciples, and uh, a whole slew of uh, miracles that Christ performed. And strangely, after many of those miracles, he would look at the guy he just healed and say, don't tell anybody about this. Don't tell anybody. Uh, go, go to the priest and get yourself checked out and pay your tithe or whatever and get, 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 give your cloak back so that you don't have to... to, to to beg and join society, but don't don't go bragging about this. And then everyone which is which is an odd thing to say, since he's preaching and trying to convert people. You would think that he would want those guys uh, uh, telling everybody, but no, he keeps doing that because he's already being dogged by people trying to get him to heal, and it's. They're just there for the healing. They're not listening to what he has to say. It's not, he, he's not there just to heal the world. Yeah. He's there to save the world, which is a little different. So he's trying to control the hysteria around him by limiting these little healings to keep it from reaching a fevered pitch. He's trying to stay out of the cr crosshairs of the, cr of the, of the Pharisees. The Pharisees. Well, the Sanhedrin were the temple people, but the same, same difference, really. Anyway, in chapter 10, he has felt that his, the education of his disciples have reached a level, and he's kind of chosen the, the 12 out of all of the disciples that are following him. He's got his teacher's pets. I'm a school teacher, so I can say that. Uh, he's picked his guys, and so he's given them their, what I would consider their final. They need to go solo. Yeah. So they're going out in twos, and he gave them kind of weird instructions that no, no, everybody else wouldn't follow. This was just for them, just for this trip. They weren't to take any money. They weren't to take any food. They weren't to take any extra clothes. They, were, they, they needed to depend on God as they go and minister. And we don't have the story of what happened to these guys while they're ministering, but I promise there were miraculous happenings of support where God and Jesus are teaching the disciples that if they depend on God in faith, then their needs would be provided for. And that's what he needed them to know, that they can, they can depend in their weakness on God's strength. Now, so what that means is that he has his uh, uh, missionaries prepared to go out and they leave and now he is free to say whatever he wants and irritate whatever Pharisee he wants to uh, because he can push this ministry to where he knows it will ultimately go which is his crucifixion 
So, so now the shackles are off, so to speak. Blinders off? I don't know. What metaphor should we stick in here? Anyway, um, Jesus does not go with his disciples. He goes into Galilee, and he begins to preach there on his own without his posse. And so that's what is happening in chapter 11. And he starts to get a little more pointed in the things that he says. And he gets a little more condemning of Pharisees and towns and people that reject him. It's a little more confrontational. Uh, And so that's, there's a change in tone in chapter 11. Okay, so uh, let's look at chapter 11, 1 through... F- it says 19 on the notes. V- v- 19! I was looking at the wrong notes. <sighs> Thank you, Nathan. That was so helpful. Yeah, I'm always helpful. Mr. Helpful. All the time and never distracting. That's right. Never, <laughs> never, never. All right. Uh, chapter 11, 1 through 19. In the NIV, which is, of course, the translation that God wrote. Uh, After Jesus had finished instructing his 12 disciples, he went on from there to teach the preach in the towns of Galilee. I thought that was interesting that there are multiple towns in Galilee. I thought Galilee was one town, but evidently they kind of, you know, the suburbs fit in there, I guess. Yeah, there's the suburban people who drive their little minivans, and then there's country folk and their pickup trucks. Sure. Yeah. Sure. Medieval. Yeah. yeah. Well, actually, yeah, not even medieval. Yeah. 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 They're, they're, they're ancient pickup trucks. Okay. You, you just keep that picture in your head as we go. Uh, then John heard in prison what Jesus was doing, and he sent his disciples to ask him, are you the one who was to come, or should we expect someone else? Now, that's weird coming from John the Baptist. Yeah. Jesus replied, Go back and report to John what you hear and see. Didn't really give him an answer. Go back and report to John what you hear and see. The blind receive sight, the lame walk, those who have leprosy are cured, the deaf hear, the dead are raised, and the good news is preached to the poor. Blessed is the man who does not fall away on account of me. As John's disciples were leaving, Jesus began to speak to the crowd about John, because we assume that the crowd heard what these guys said. Uh, what, did, uh, what did you do? go out into the desert to see? A reed swayed by the wind? If not, what did you go out to see? In, in, in desert, he's probably talking about John here. A man dressed in fine clothes? No, those who wear fine clothes are, king, are in king's palaces. Then what did you go out to see? A prophet? Yes, I tell you, and more than a prophet, this is the one about whom it is written. I will send my messenger ahead of you, who will prepare your way before you. I tell you the truth, among those born of women, there has not risen anyone greater than John the Baptist. Yet, he who is least in the kingdom of heaven is greater than he. From the days of John the Baptist until now, the kingdom of heaven has been forcefully advancing, and forceful men lay hold of it. For all the prophets and the law prophesied unto John. And if you are willing to accept it, he is the Elijah who was to come. He who has ears, let him hear. To what can I compare this generation? They are like children sitting in marketplaces calling out to others. We played the flute for you and you did not dance. We sang a dirge and you did not mourn. For John came neither eating nor drinking and they said he was a demon. 
The son of man came eating and drinking, and you say, here's a glutton and a drunkard, a friend of tax collectors and sinners. But wisdom is proven right by her actions. Okay, this is just loaded. Shall we, shall we unpack it? Um, John heard in prison, verse 2. This is John the Baptist. It is Jesus' cousin. They've met. Uh, they go back to their childhood, so he, he knows John real well. Uh, there are a number of commentaries I read that speculate, this isn't proven, that both John and Jesus were trained in a Saracene school, which would explain some of their uh, approaches to the Pharisees. It was kind of a, a rebellious school uh, that, that was trying to pull Jewish faith back to its roots, you know, which makes sense. Uh, and, but they were also kind of violent and rebellious and military, which is not what John and Jesus were. So they weren't true. They weren't Saracens for sure, but they had a lot of feel to it. But they could have gone to school together. Is my point. Okay, John has been preaching repentance and has laid the groundwork for Christ's ministries. And much earlier in 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 the book, uh, in Matthew. Uh, we see where John hands over the ministry to Christ. Sort of like Elijah and Elijah. Yes. That's why they reference that. Yes. And so he takes over for uh, John, and so John's ministry is diminishing. Now, he's still out there preaching, but people are following Christ. They're not following John. In fact, he's telling people to follow Christ, not him. But he's still out there agitating for repentance. You know, he's still doing what he's doing. Well... It's not in the verse, but we know why he was in prison. It seems that Herod, who was kind of a pagan king of the Jews, he was sort of related to the Jews, but he wasn't really Jewish. Uh, he went and visited his brother, who was not as powerful as he was, and decided that his brother's wife was rather attractive. So he used his power and seduces his brother's wife, and he brings her home, back to Jerusalem. And uh, his brother is still alive, but he goes back and he dismisses his own wife. And he reinstates her with his uh, brother's wife. It's, it was blatant, but you know when you're a king, the laws, you get to make up the laws. The laws don't apply to you. I always love... Whatever you want. Pretty much. Yeah. Yep, 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 yep. I always love how in these Bible stories it's as if, and like obviously this is a king, so it makes sense, but I always find it funny how women in these stories it's like, you're coming home with me. Okay. Well, I guess I'll just blindly agree with that. Well, <laughs> I have no mind of my own. I, I think they did have a mind. I think, uh, in, in, I anyway. I know that they did. That's what I'm saying is like, you don't. You think she was just cool with that idea, like, right. oh sure, you know, my husband who I married, I'll leave him for his brother. That's normal. Well, Herod is the king, civil king of the Jews. The Jews are a very religious race and are, are people, and they are they pay a lot of attention to whether or not you're sitting or not. And here's this guy who's just moved his sister-in-law into the palace. <laughs> Uh, there, you know, it's, it's blatant spit-in-your-eye kind of stuff to Jewish traditions. Well, smart Pharisees <coughs> are keeping their mouth shut because he's, they're on his side. 
They don't want to. They don't want to agitate the ruling government. That they're kind of in power, and he's keeping them in power. And it's kind of like, oh, I hate to make this too personal. All those people that tolerate Trump, and that you know, when Trump was saying horrendous things about everyone. But, you know, people that would be deeply offended if I said any of those things uh, are perfectly fine with Trump doing it because they've committed to him and he's their, you know, they're they're attached to his coattails. Well, that's what's happening with Pharisees. And John is is calling him out. So he's been preaching going, hey, hey, our our king is sleeping around with his sister-in-law. That ain't the queen. You know, the queen is over there. She moved to the next town because he kicked her butt out. You know, he's calling him out and and he's embarrassing the king. Well, he's the king. He can do anything he wants. So he sends out a cut. It doesn't even take much work. He doesn't have to bring in charges. There's no paperwork. He just sends out a couple of soldiers and say, throw that guy into prison. And so they took him out to this prison that's next to the, 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 the Dead Sea and uh, locked him in a cave, basically. Yeah. And that's where he's been sitting. And sitting. How boring must that be? Pretty boring. Yeah. Now, there's he, also... He invents board games like thousands of years before they exist. He's like, here is a game called Solitaire. You can play it all alone. Okay, first of all, there were a lot of boards games that go back <laughs> to the ancient times. They, 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 this was but, not a new concept. Did he, but did Solitaire exist? Was it, were there lonely people board games? I'm certain there were. I, it may not have been the same one you play. Yeah. Anyway, uh, I, I read some about the psychology of prisons, and they tend to change your perspective. Uh-huh. Now, John if he was a Saracen, was expecting the Messiah to come in political power and overthrow the Roman government and place all of the Jews in charge of the world. Okay. And they would be the new ruling elite of the whole world. The Romans are in charge now. The Jews will be in charge later. That was their, their belief. And they were waiting on this Messiah to come and lead them to this glorious future. Now, if John, John knew that that wasn't quite the nature of the Messiah, yeah. however, he, he was waiting on Christ to do something. something. He, wants, he, he wants to see what's going to happen with that Messiah. He doesn't have the whole picture. And he's handed off his mission, his whole thing, to Christ, nobody's following anymore, and now he's sitting alone in a in a prison, be, un, be unable to do anything, and he's starting to doubt. Now here's a guy that's so in tune with the Holy Spirit; the Holy Spirit is literally speaking to through him as he's preaching to masses. He's seen miracles upon miracles upon miracles, and he's starting to doubt. What does that tell us about humans? Well, I mean, that's human nature. When you feel isolated and when, when you're not seeing the thing that you expect to have happen, happening, you will kind of doubt. I've had that same sort of conversation with God before where I know God said, this thing and this thing are going to happen. And I'm like, I literally prayed this like three weeks ago. I'm like, God, it's been... Five years and you told me this thing was going to happen. Is it still going to happen? Because I can just do something else. And he's like, yeah. I'm like, okay. I guess. That happens. That's how life works. 
<laughs> I agree. I was going to tell a story, but you told a really nice one, and I think we'll just go with yours. That's <laughs> what I'm thinking. Um, yeah. So John is 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 starting to doubt, and he doesn't. He he's wants Jesus to do something. He he sees Jesus preaching and healing and preaching and healing, but when does the political uh, overthrow of Rome start? You know, and he's starting to doubt. Did, did should I have should I have given my whole ministry to him? What did I do this wrong? Or is he really the Messiah? Did did I mess up? It, it, was I, was this all in my head? Did I just think it was? What about that voice of God that came down on us in the river? Did I imagine that? You know, we 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 go through this routine. Yeah. What was the quote from Jesus? I, I admit I don't remember it exactly, but I did not come to overthrow the law. But to, to was it to perfect to fulfill it? the law? Yeah, fulfill the law. Yeah, uh, yeah. So, so the actual overthrow of the world happens at the end of the world. Yeah. You know, they, they, they're, they're, it's, it's a little more complicated. But anyway, uh, he he basically asks, "Are you the one, or should we expect someone else?" Which is almost a, it's a, kind of a sad question to yeah. come from John the Baptist. Now, Christ wants to reassure him, but if he just says, yeah, I'm the one, is that going to make you reassured? <laughs> no. If you walk up to a liar and say, are you a liar, what do they say? No, no I don't want to lie to you. But then, does that make you really are believe it? Are all liars massive rednecks? Uh, yeah, pretty much. <laughs> anyway, uh, well, in my experience. Uh, okay. So, so Christ, if he just tells him, that doesn't mean anything. So he's got to prove it. And so that's how he replies. And so he turns to the John's disciples and he says, go back and tell them what you see. He's, he, he's healing people. He's, he's preaching to the poor. He's ministering to the Jewish people in a miraculous way. Who else could he be? You know? Now, he didn't answer his question about, oh, gee, and by the way, next Thursday I'm going to overthrow the Roman government. Sadly, that's what John wanted him to say, but that isn't God's plan. And sometimes our plan doesn't fit God's plan, and we have to get our head around the fact that it's God's plan that's going to happen and not ours. I just got the weirdest image in my head of John going up to a rotary phone, putting that little thing up against his ear and going, Hello, are you going to overthrow the government, Jesus? And Jesus is like, oh, there's some noise on the line. I can't quite hear you. Yeah, uh, yeah, yeah. <laughs> there you go. Yes. <laughs> so he tells them to tell him what's happening, and he, and he sends, I guess, a reassuring message back to John. Uh, and as they were asking him this, I assume that there were other disciples following around Jesus to, in, in the crowd who were John's disciples. And while these guys were asking the question, everybody else around him was kind of wondering what the answer to that was going to be too. I even read one commentator that said that it's possible that John was not having a crisis of doubt that John sent these messengers to ask Christ for their sake, not his. And I have to admit, as a teacher, I've done that trick. Yeah. You know, I already knew the answer, but I asked the question of yeah. a student to figure out, so because if I just give him the answer, 
he can't process it. He has to arrive at that answer. And if he figures out how to do that trick, usually in graphic design, what I taught, then he remembers it that way. But if I tell him just, you know, here's these three clicks, the next time he comes to that thing, he'll say, how do I do that again? I did that once, but I don't remember how. What I used to do when I trained people in the media is there's three kinds of learners. There's people who learn by doing, hearing, and seeing, typically. And so what I would do is I would sit there and I'd be like, do this. And I'd watch them try and do it and struggle and they'd begin to get frustrated and look at me and say, you're supposed to be teaching me. Exactly. So I'd sit there and I'd talk through it. I'd show them, point it out, this button here, that thing there. And then I'd get off of it after showing them and be like, do it. And they'd do it and they'd fail. And I'd, that process just went on forever. But eventually they learned it. You just explained the whole educational process so nicely, <laughs> Nathan. I had two years of school to learn that, and you encapsulated it down in a nice, neat little paragraph. That's totally. really impressive. Very impressive. Uh, so he's, he turns around to the rest of the people that are looking at him, and he starts to talk about John. Because they're his disciples, too. John's disciples were leaving. These are the guys that asked him the question. Jesus began to speak to the crowd about John. What did you go out into the desert to see? Now, these are people that followed John out into the desert. And so he knows it. So he's really still kind of addressing the same issue. A reed swayed by the wind? No, they don't want to see that. What if it's a really cool reed, though? If not, why did you go out to see? A man dressed in fine clothes? No, that's not what they went out to see. They, they, John was a wild man dressed in a sackcloth. They, they he's he's eating grasshoppers and honey, yeah. and he's preaching repentance. He he was a show. Oh come on, this was this was a crazy preacher. We want to go see him. They they wanted to sit there and be like, hey guys, <coughs> he's really going to eat a locust right now. Watch that right there for lunch. Right there. <laughs> yeah, because. Because the locust represents God's punishment, and the honey represents God's uh, provision. Yeah. But it, it, it was symbolic of the two things he was eating. And so, you know, and I think they got that. And so it was all, John was deep. Uh, he says, no, he didn't see uh, people in fine clothes and palaces. Then what did you got to see? A prophet? Yes, I tell you, and more than a prophet, this is the one about whom it is written. So he says, quoting Isaiah, that, it is Isaiah, right? Yeah. It, that uh, this is the messenger that is laying the groundwork for the Messiah. I tell you the truth, among those born of women, no one is greater than John the Baptist. He basically says that John the Baptist is the greatest human being that's ever lived, which is really sad for Nathan and I because we were kind of hoping that we might be. Uh, I mean, we just don't eat enough locusts. That's how we can get there. Is that the difference? Yeah, we need to stand out in the hot Texas sun in the middle of a field and, and scream about Jesus and then eat some locusts. Ladies and gentlemen, this is how weird cults get started, so please don't listen to Nathan. Join Nathan's cult today. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Go to www.twitch.tv slash Nathan Sample to okay. join my cult. You know today. people are listening, right? <laughs> I know. Okay. I, I okay. can't wait for them to tune in to hear me cussing at video games. All right. That'd All be right. Great. Yeah, don't do that. <laughs> uh, so. I lost my place. I tell you the truth, among those born of women, there is no one risen, anyone greater than John the Baptist. Yet, 
He who is least in the kingdom of heaven is greater than he. So, what does that mean? Least in the kingdom of heaven. Are we talking about angels here? No. No. Talking about big losers like us. No. no. Well, kind of. Yeah, see? Wow, you kinda. actually <laughs> hit on the truth there for a second. I'm really surprised. Um, <laughs> I'm just joking around. I know, you know, I know. The kingdom of heaven is a, an expression that Christ uses all throughout. And he is referring to this new order when the Messiah comes in and the Messiah uh, offers his sacrifice for your sin and then you, you, you repent of your sin and then you can be made, be made whole in the face of God and be able to go to heaven and be, be a brother to Christ because yeah. of the sacrifice that he made. Now, John is preaching the old Mosaic uh, dispensational repentance. And Christ is offering this new sacrifice in himself. And so, and so he's saying that John is the greatest of men, but even the least of those that follow me are greater than John. That's what that means. So because Jesus is about to take this, this uh, reconciliation with God thing, to the, next le to the next level, to the next level, to the next level. So, and John wasn't privy to that. And there are those that will argue this all day, and I could probably argue both sides. Mm -hmm. But uh, anyway, uh, I, I believe that's what he's talking about. Yet who is least in the kingdom of heaven is greater than he. From the days of John the Baptist until now, the kingdom of heaven, this is Christ's ministry, has been forcefully advancing forcefully and forceful men lay hold of it now he just sent out 12 guys to go evangelize and he's been preaching hard as we say around here preaching hard and i don't think christ was violent but it was imperative that he convert people so that they can be saved and I don't think he's being passive yeah. about this. He doesn't want us to be passive about this. We need to, you know, we can't just say, oh, well, if you don't want to go to heaven, you don't have to. No, no. no. We, we need to help people. Well, there's like one instance. Jesus was not a violent individual, but when he drove the people out of the temple, he was pretty violent. I knew you were going to bring that up. I know that you knew that, but I still yeah. had to say that. Yes, it really kind of baited him right into it. I was waiting on him to say yeah. that. Yes, that's true. Christ was not above picking up a whip and kicking over some tables and saying, get out of here. This is a temple. What is wrong with you, you moron? Uh, and while he was saying that, uh, you would think that, you know, they had, they had soldiers in the temple. They had soldiers specifically designed as temple security who had their own little uniforms and their own little unit. Don't you think that they would have stepped in and took care of a brawl in the middle of the temple courtyard? Well, all they had was flashlights. They didn't have any guns. Funny, funny, <laughs> funny. Temple security did not step in here. In fact, all of the money changers ran from the temple because they were wrong. Yeah. And Christ was right. And Christ was forceful. And the security guys 
looked at the crazy man with the sword, with, with the whip and thought, how much do I get paid? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. yeah they, they did the security guard thing. You know, just, just, just yeah, how yeah. invested I am in the protection of my employer based upon how much they pay me at this point in time. Yeah, yeah. well, you have that little cost-benefit analysis just before the bullets start flying. Yeah. Well, yeah, I mean, they have a flashlight, they're on a little Segway, they can't really do a whole lot. <laughs> okay. Yeah, that joke's getting old, David. Okay. Um, For all the prophets in the law prophesied until John, and if you are willing to accept it, he is the Elijah who was to come. He who has ears, let him hear. Okay, if you're willing to accept it, he is the Elijah who was to come. He's referring to uh, several prophecies that say Elijah is going to lay down the groundwork for the coming Messiah. Now, John was not Elijah. John, there is no reincarnation. Uh, John is John. However, John has very much taken the mantle of Elijah, and he has very much taken the job of Elijah, the role of Elijah, and that he, he is the prophet for the people of Israel at this time. So he is the Elijah who was to come. It, there's a the there in the English translation. I have no idea how it reads in the real thing. Uh, so he's saying it's not the real thing. I'm saying this is an English translation of the inspired word of God that was written by Matthew in Greek. Greek doesn't have any punctuation points in it, Nathan. There's no commas. There's no periods. And you got to use a little judgment in where you put your brakes sometimes. So how do you feel about the Message Bible then? It's a paraphrase, and I feel about it as I feel about all paraphrases. Um, don't study them. They're, they're, they're a fun read, but don't study them. Okay, he who has ears, let him hear. Uh, so basically he says, listen up, he's Elijah. To what can I compare this generation? They are like children sitting in the marketplaces and calling out to others. We played the flute for you, but you didn't dance. We sang a dirge, and you did not mourn. You're not responding. We're putting on a show, and you're not listening to it. For John came neither eating or drinking, and you say, he was a demon, or has a demon. And the Son of Man came eating and drinking, and they say, here's a glutton and a drunkard. Okay, so all of that from 16 down to 19 is all basically the same thought from Christ. He's saying that <clears throat> this generation are like a bunch of kids in a playground that are sitting around in a corner and not playing in the game. You know, they're, they're actively rebelling against the truth, against the thing that we're all doing. They're not, they're willfully not fitting in. They're playing a song and they're not singing. It, 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 they're that obnoxious 14-year-old who folds his arms up in the back of the room and the only thing that comes out of his mouth are disparagingly rude things about the teacher. That was you, wasn't it, Nathan? Yeah, I'm pretty, I'm pretty sure that was, pretty sure that was Nathan. Yeah, yeah. I never actually had you in school. You managed to get away from me, but still. Yeah, I had A, B, Tech. Oh, yeah. 
<laughs> so, um, he's basically calling them willful children. And then I think this last segment is, is real interesting. He says, John, they looked at John and they said, well, here's a, a, a crazy man that's living out in the woods, uh, uh, the desert, excuse me, so that he can't go near anything unclean because he's taken this Nazarite vow. He can't go near women or anything dead or anything else. Or, or, or what, well, he can't cut his hair. And so he's wearing uh, uh, real poor clothes which a beggar would wear, and uh, he, he's not eating anything dead. So he's eating live grasshoppers, folks. Keep that in mind. Uh, honey did not count in this case, but uh, because he wants to stay a Nazarite permanently, he is always ritualistically clean and can walk into the temple at any time according to the laws of the temple. Does he bring like a Ziploc bag for the locusts that he carries around? Or is like a jar? guess would be a basket although that really doesn't warrant an answer anyway uh people are looking at him and the pharisees said he has a demon in him because he's crazy and acting weird why would you follow somebody that acts so crazy and weird they're just being rebellious they're not listening to what he's saying they're judging him on his behavior and they're saying you know it, it, discounting him completely because they're looking for a reason to dislike him. If you go looking for a reason to dislike someone, you can find a reason to dislike one. Well, that's true of everyone in the planet except for me, of course. Now, uh, then they say, the Son of Man came eating and drinking. Jesus Christ is eating whatever he wants to. Uh, he's not maintaining a Nazarite vow. Uh, but then they say he's a glutton and he's hanging out with tax collectors. He, he's, he's he, you know, basically they go the other direction. We have this very austere person that they condemn for because of being different, and then we have a person behaving normally, and we behave, we we call him a glutton and a sinner. Uh, so basically, they can look at anybody and and say and just take what they do and say that's wrong and throw it out. And, oh my goodness, we know how that works because we have Facebook. I lied. She activated my long That's, what a wise thing to do. <laughs> I, I, I got rid of my Facebook a long time ago. Now, to be fair, to be fair, I have a Facebook spy who keeps me tuned Facebook. in. A Facebook spy. You mean your wife? Yes, and she's absolutely addicted to Facebook. And when something happens that I need to know about, she waves it in front of my face, distracting me from whatever else that I'm working on. You know, uh, and so I usually find out about anything of legitimate importance that I need to know about my community and family through Facebook. But I am not going to post, because what happens is that you say something <laughs> dumb that other people should, you know, your, your, your caring family should write you back and say, Kevin, stop being dumb. <laughs> but what you get is, that's so right, brother. <laughs> people will support you because they want to be supportive of you. They don't really care what you're saying. There isn't any, any measurement of the truth. There's just, I'm on your side. Right? 
Well, I, I deleted Facebook because I have a lot of trouble not calling people out for being complete retards. On oh, so, so, so you do call people out, which makes you the enemy. Yeah, basically. Right, right. Because what we want in Facebook is an echo chamber for our own ideas, locking ourselves, surrounding ourselves with people of a like mind. Social media is miserable whenever you're a normal, okay, normal. Nor human yeah, being. Uh, there were air quotes there, human folks. Human There's no normal people in this room. A All right, go ahead. A human being who thinks <laughs> yes. of his brain and uh -huh. doesn't blindly be like, well, I believe this because I read it one time on Wikipedia. Right. Hey, don't, don't slam Wikipedia. I love Wikipedia. Wikipedia. It can be useful, but I just mean people will make the claims and then you'll say, that's not true because this evidence, and they're like, yeah, it is. And you're like, great counter-argument. Yes, it is. It is, in yeah. fact, a counter-argument. Yeah. It's like the equivalent of saying, I think this. No. Okay. I guess I'm wrong. So anyways, the Bible. Yeah, yeah. My <laughs> Logic and truth and facts are important. I couldn't agree more. Uh, but you need to judge the message and uh, be open to the basic uh, idea and not judge the yeah. deliverer. Because mm -hmm. we're, we're, we're all a little strange. Mm -hmm. yeah. uh, you know, I've discovered, and I'm kind of going down a rabbit hole here, I've discovered that the more you get to know anyone, the more eccentric they become. Yeah, it's because everyone puts on like a poker face. Yes, exactly, exactly. I have some very normal, what I thought were normal sisters-in-law. Oh, oh my word, did I say that? <laughs> and the more I get to know them, the more quirky they really, really are. Yeah. And, uh, you know, I think, I think at least one of them needs therapy. <laughs> anyway, I'll, I'll let them figure out who that is if they're listening. Anyway, uh, if you're the weird one and you're listening, he thinks you're weird. <coughs> she knows. She's eccentric. I always said eccentric. Yes. Eccentric, yes. 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 <laughs> Strange, <laughs> unorthodox. And by the way, it takes one to know one, ladies and gentlemen. And so I, I, I do not claim any normalcy. Normal. You think that I word? claim that normality? No, no, I don't think I you do. Don't. Um, okay, and so I'm not sure I have time for this next section, but 20 through 24, he ups his game, and here's where he starts to really pick on people. He would never have said this before he sent all of the disciples out, yeah. because this is going to get them riled. When Jesus began to denounce the cities in which most of his miracles had been performed, so you just picked on him for you know judging him and John the Baptist and closing their ears and not listening to what he said. Now he's 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 just going whole cities at a time, you know, and so uh, uh, woe to you, Chorazin! Woe to you, Bethsaida! If the miracles that were performed and you had been formed in Tyre and Sidon, they would have repented long ago in sackcloth and ashes. But I tell you, it will be more bearable for Tyre and Sidon in the day of judgment than for you. And Capernaum, will you be lifted up to the skies? No, you will go down to the depths. He just told Capernaum that they're going to go to hell. Imagine Pastor Mike standing over there being like, here's why I don't like Philadelphia. Here'd here's be, why oh, Chicago and ooh, Boston. That'd be, mm, that'd be a good message, actually. He'd get him in trouble. Um, <laughs> if the miracles that were performed in you had been performed in Sodom, it would have remained to this day. Oh, wow. 
And I tell you that it will be more bearable for Sodom on the day of judgment than for you. Now, Sodom had been destroyed for, what, a thousand years at this point? You know, and he's saying that uh, Capernaum is going to get compared to Sodom. And, 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 if, and if Sodom had gotten their, their, the, the miracles that were performed in Capernaum, then Sodom would have repented. Sodom was so far gone that God couldn't find one righteous person, well, ten, more than ten, righteous people in that, in the, in the, in the, in the, and he burned it. I mean, good grief. Dude, imagine how shocked you would be if your wife was turned into a pillar of salt. That, that would be a hard day. Um, that, that would be just one of those days, you know? Yeah. Um, I tell you that it will be more bearable Sodom on the day of judgment than for you. Now, hold on. Hasn't Sodom already been judged at this point? Or is Sodom going to get more judgment on the day of judgment? Has, is Sodom standing by, Sodom wait, waiting to be judged still? Does the judgment come at the end? How does, how does supernatural time work, I wonder? Hmm. Yeah, that's another lecture. Yeah. I'll be thinking about that for like the next half an hour now. Really? Did I mess you up? I have an answer, but I have it's a well, two-hour answer. From my understanding, there's like normal time, and then there's a God intersect. That's what Pastor Mike at least teaches typically. But I don't know, like, it's a weird thing to think about. Like, I've always wondered if someone dies, do they immediately go to heaven, or is it like after ever the world passes? You know, I mean, that's those are things that I've always wondered about. Was that, was that the, uh, well, no. We'll have this discussion on the way home because we're going to have 20 minutes, and I think I need 20 minutes, and it doesn't really fit the framework of this lesson. Right. But the answer to your question, Nathan, is yes. Yes. Okay. On, on both issues, yes. <laughs> yes. Okay. It is at the end of the world, and, yeah. and it is the moment you die. Yes. They're, they're the same thing. Okay. Um, rest for the weary. I'm going to bring this home because we've got five minutes and I can do this. At that time, Jesus said, I praise you, Father, Lord of heaven and earth, because you have hidden these things from the wise and learned and revealed them to little children. Yes, Father, for this is your good pleasure. All things have been committed to me by my Father. No one knows the Son except the Father, and no one knows the Father except the Son, and those to whom the Son chooses to reveal him. Well then, come to me. All you who are weary and burdened, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and humble in heart. And you will find rest for your souls, for your yoke is easy and my burden is light. And that last paragraph is a song that my father used to sing when I was young. Anyway, uh, now he's turning and giving them a bit, after he's condemned every city that he's walked through lately, uh, now he's, he's, he's giving this little ray of hope at the end. And he says, I, and he prays, I praise you, Father, Lord of heaven and earth, because you have hidden things from wise and learned and revealed them to little children. Why would God hide things from me and reveal it to children? Because I'm obviously wise and learned. <laughs> I have a big, strong brain. And I do, is, do, no, seriously, does God hide things from the evil people? Or, or do the people, are the people shutting it off? God wants everybody to come to him, right? Well, that's why I was saying, I was saying in a sarcastic way, but... 
I'm not sarcastic. I'm, I'm curious about what people this means. Who are older and they, like, I don't know. Maybe, maybe this is my experience. When I was a teenager, I talked to adults about things all the time, and they'd be like, this is how the world is, and this is what's going to happen. And I'd be like, I don't know. I feel like that's wrong in these eight ways. And they're like, no, it's not. And so I feel like older folks and people who are more experienced tend to shut things down more. Well, older folks. Yes. Yeah, because Ron and I are getting to be progressively more aged. So. I mean, I'm also yeah. talking about whenever I was like 15, though. Okay. Uh, come to me. Oh, all things have been committed to me to, by my Father. No one knows the Son except the Father. So He is the one that knows God. No one knows the Father except the Son, and those to whom the Son chooses to reveal. So Jesus is the one dispensing this understanding. Come to me, all you who are weary and burdened, and I will give you rest. So he's saying, I am the way to God. Follow me, and I will. He doesn't say you'll understand everything. He says, I'll give you peace. Yep. So peace is more important than understanding? It depends on where my mind's at at the time, but yes. <laughs> That's a fair answer. <laughs> <laughs> it's true. Yeah, I know. I, I'm like that, too. I really need to understand the big picture. Okay, and with that, we have sprinted through Chapter 11. And next week, uh, presuming that we are all healthy and there are no vacations involved, uh, we are going to move on to Chapter 12 and forge through the rest of Matthew. And that is Kevin Evans signing off. That, that last